It's time for Crack the Customer Code, the ultimate podcast to help you unlock the secrets to understanding and connecting with your customers. Now it's time for your hosts, the wonder twins of customer experience, Adam Toporek and Jeannie Walters. Have I told you the title of my next book, Jeannie? Uh, no. What is it? It's The Genie Factor. Excellent. It's and about it time. works on two levels because... I'm not sure if I'm going to spell it genie, J-E-A-N-N-I-E, or G-E-N-I-E. Either one could work. Oh, I, I like the first one. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking bribes for the first one. So we have Mark Sanborn, speaking legend, publishing legend, uh, author of The Fred Factor, which is why I mentioned The Genie Factor, and a bunch of other best-selling books on the podcast today. And this was a fun conversation. I actually just got through seeing Mark speak uh, last week, and um, I think it was great to follow up and learn some of the, you know, dig a little deeper on some of the ideas he shared in his uh, keynote uh, at the customer service revolution. Yeah, he is fascinating. And uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to go out on a limb, Adam, and say the genie factor might be a little bit of a ripoff of the Fred factor, <laughs> since that book, <laughs> as we learn, has sold a gazillion and three copies. <laughs> And, so and three. <laughs> yes, gazillion and three. Um, but no, this this conversation is so great because I love how he weaves in the ideas of really authentic leadership and uh, passion about what you do, as well as just making sure everybody is treated well. Like that sounds so basic, but his passion around treating employees well so that they treat customers well it all weaves together in this really great, fun conversation. So I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and he just he spent so much time analyzing and considering and evaluating the things that go into leadership, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I, for sure. I love you know he mentioned his core ten, and I'm not going to say it word for word here, but it's that idea that nobody can prevent you from being extraordinary if you want, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think that that just that theme runs through everything he does and his own. Uh, performance as well. So it was was a great conversation and I am excited to let our listeners hear it. I am too. And now I'm going to read a shortened biography for a legend. (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) Mark is the president of Sanborn and Associates, an idea lab for leadership development. He has written or co-authored eight books and is the author of more than two dozen videos and audio training programs on leadership, change, teamwork, and customer service. He has presented over 2,400 speeches and seminars in every state and a dozen countries. (laughs) So therefore, Mark holds the Certified Speaking Professional, CSP, from the National Speakers Association and is a member of the Speaker Hall of Fame. Mark's book, The Fred Factor, How Passion in Your Work and Life Can Turn the Ordinary into the Extraordinary, is an international bestseller and was on the New York Times, Business Week, and Wall Street Journal bestseller lists. Mark is a past president of the National Speakers Association and winner of the Cavett, the highest honor bestowed by that organization. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Jeannie, my pleasure. Oh, Mark, so good to speak with you. And this is two weeks in a row. I had the privilege of being at the customer service revolution with you last week and uh, speaking there and more importantly, getting to see you on the main stage. And you absolutely killed it. And one of the concepts 
I really love from your speech is this idea that there's no such thing as neutral for a team member. You're always making a difference whether you intend to or not. So now we need customer-focused, proactive employees to deliver great experiences. So how do we help these people that just show up and do my job? I don't make waves. How do, how do we flip that switch to get them to focus on customers? I believe the first job of leadership is to prove significance to others, to help them see the connectivity between what they do and how it impacts the customer experience, their colleagues, the success of the business. Too often we take that for granted, that people will know that they'll somehow mysteriously understand that that uh, their lethargy takes away from or that their enthusiasm adds to uh, the company's um, progression towards its its vision and its mission. I think that, you know, I don't want to get abstract, but there, there might be in another world a neutral from a, a theoretical or a technical standpoint. But the point that I make is that when you're interacting with a customer, if you're neutral, which would be synonymous with disengaged, the customer doesn't say, oh, honey, they're just neutral to their spouse. The customer thinks that they're indifferent. And indifference, as we all know, is, is the number one killer of relationships. You know, I often say I'd rather you argue with me than ignore me, because at least if you're arguing with me, I've got your attention and there's hope that I might break through. So there are a number of things you can do, but I think, you know, it's important that when a customer is really happy and calls in or sends an email, that rather than just pass on that information secondhand uh, to a team member, maybe you let the customer speak to them or let have them call the customer and get that feedback. Same situation would apply if a customer is very upset. Uh, maybe you'd want to create a conference call where the team member could see how what they did, and maybe to the team member it didn't seem like much, but to the customer it, it made a big difference, but unfortunately it made a big bad difference. And there are a lot of opportunities throughout the course of the day, and I just think we as leaders need to not take anything for granted. We know how what employees do matters and that you know you either move the ball down the field or you take a loss. But until they know that, they're probably going to think they're just opting out and being neutral when really they're disengaged and their actions are interpreted as indifferent. Well, I love that. And I love that you tie that back to being a leader as well, because it really is about finding those moments to kind of course correct in a way that is super meaningful to the people involved. Well, you're, and you're just interject, Jeannie, you don't, you don't manage customer service, you lead it. If mm -hmm. you want customer service to stay the same as it's always been, then I guess maybe you could management manage it. Because management literally means to handle. If you look up uh, what the word really means, it means mm -hmm. to maintain, to sustain. So leadership is about taking people and processes and organizations from where they are to where they could be. So for service to get better, you've got to lead it. Amen. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and speaking of leadership, uh, that goes right into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because I love the title of your book. You don't need a title to be a leader. And you know, in customer experience, we often talk about how everyone needs to play a role. Everyone needs to take ownership in the moment. So how do you foster this sense of leadership without leaning on those titles on a team? First, I need to clarify, I don't have any problem with titles. If I ever rewrite the book, I'll call it, you don't need a title to be a leader. But if you have a title, it won't screw you up if you do it right. <laughs> My point isn't there's anything wrong with titles. The problem is when leaders use their position or their title as power over people. 
and get only compliance when good leaders use their relationship with people to get commitment. And the other thing that I think we all realize, you know, we've all worked long enough to have known a leader that, as John Gardner used to say, couldn't lead a group of seven-year-olds to an ice cream truck. What I (laughs) sometimes forget is that just because you don't have a title, that, that shouldn't keep you from leading. I think a lot of employees are a little uh, reticent to lead for fear they'll get into trouble. See, most managers try to place blame for what goes wrong and take credit for what goes right. And you only get full credit if you take blame and responsibility as a leader. However, I think you also need to be crystal clear with the people you lead about when it is appropriate to lead. Um, You know, the, the most simple definition, it's not my favorite, but the simplest definition of leadership is leaders are those that make things better for themselves and others. By the way, if you're not making things better for others, you're ambitious. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, but leadership always serves the greater good. So if you can make things better for others in your role, whether you have a title or not, it's, I think, leadership's responsibility to let you know that. Uh, In my book, I talk about all leaders increase ROI. And we know that ROI is an accounting term that stands for return on investment. I kind of repurpose it to stand for relationships, outcomes, and improvements. If you can build better relationships, if you can enrich outcomes, if you can suggest and implement improvements, that should not be only the responsibility of leaders with a a title. That should be the responsibility of anyone and everyone in the organization. There it is. (laughs) <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Con- I love the ROI uh, twist too. That's very creative. And, you know, I was thinking of, you've got so many cool books, Mark. And I want to talk about Fred because even though he, you know, I think he just led himself, he seems to embody everything you're discussing. And uh, so you've got the Fred Factor. It's a very famous book. You've sold, I think, a gazillion copies was the technical number. Uh, It's a gazillion three. We just sold three this morning. Awesome. (laughs) A gazillion and three. Um, It's just a fantastic book. It's one of those, uh, you know, true stories. And it's also, it's more than just a tale of somebody giving great customer service. It's a tale of finding passion in your work. So give us a short little backstory on Fred, which I'm sure you've told 8,003 times. And But why do you think he's that story and he have resonated so powerfully for so long? Well, first, Adam, you hit the nail on the head. It is a true story. It's not a a business fable. And it it hurts my soul when somebody asks if I made it up because, uh, first of all, I'm not that creative. And secondly, uh, (laughs) Fred is just so good at what he does that that's really what makes it a powerful story. I think people uh, can understand that Fred was a postal carrier, and, and I'm not you know, being negative about delivering the mail, but I don't think many people would put that up there with rocket science, neurosurgery, or law, you know, as the most challenging of careers. And and that's simply the, the fact that most of us have very ordinary jobs and we live ordinary lives. But the choice that we have is to turn those ordinary jobs into extraordinary jobs or to turn our ordinary lives into extraordinary lives. And that's what Fred did. He still does. He's retired from the Postal Service, but I still talk to Fred on a regular basis. And he's just an inspirational guy because he's not about getting attention or getting accolades. He's just about doing the best job he possibly can in his professional and personal life and uh, enriching uh, the experience that others have because of him. Uh, When, you know, if if your uh, listeners would like to read uh, the, the story about 
Fred in its entirety, the first chapter of the book. They can do that for free if they just go to www.fredfactor.com. By the way, I don't know. Obviously, I'm old. Why do I say www? (laughs) (laughs) And I still, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, Adam, on stage, I have a tendency to to use uh, cell phone gestures like I'm holding a cradle dial rotary. (laughs) 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 Clamped entirely around it. But, um, you know, Fred, uh, Fred is, to me, the epitome of what has maybe become over the last 30 plus years, the centerpiece of my work. And that is this idea that nobody can prevent you from choosing to be extraordinary. Uh, you know, the reality is we're, we're not all raised in an environment where we're told we can be extraordinary or encouraged or taught how to be extraordinary. And sadly, many kids today and even people in the workforce are actually discouraged and in various ways from being, you know, picked on and bullied and, and uh, shut down in their attempts to be extraordinary. But despite all that, and, and that's true with Fred, you can still say, you know what, it's not the job I have, it's how I do the job I have. Uh, Martin Luther King, and I'm going to paraphrase, said, you know, if a man sweeps streets, he should sweep streets in such a way that all the host of heaven would say there lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And, you know, there's, there's, dignity in work. But what people sometimes miss is that uh, even though work gives us dignity, we give work dignity. Uh, And that's what I think Martin Luther King was talking about when he said, you know, the the, the great street sweeper gives dignity to a very simple job. And the thing I think, Adam, that makes the the story work is that if I'd have talked about Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or, you know, any of the world's billionaires, that most people would have said, well, of course they have extraordinary lives. They have more money than the rest of us combined. But I took a person with an ordinary job to make the case that if Fred can add artistry to his work, then you got no excuse. I have no excuse. I mean, it's a simple job done extraordinarily well. Um, You know, Fred exemplifies the four principles I talk in the book, I talk about in the book. And um, I think, you know, the, the book sold right out of the gate, like 600,000 copies in China. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know they had postal carriers in China. I mean, I don't know how they get their mail. <laughs> they have some semblance of postal carriers, and that resonated even in that culture. Wow. <laughs> That's so powerful. That's so powerful. It reminds me of a moment, actually, that I I witnessed where there was a custodian just touching up paint in a hospital and the I the CEO of the hospital leaned over and said, "Thank you for making this a better place for our for our patients." And I thought that was such a perfect moment of like recognizing the dignity of what he was doing, and he was clearly doing it in such a you know thoughtful way that it really s- stood out too. So it's it's uh, moments like that kind of stick with you as well. So I love I love the Fred factor the story about the guy, excuse me for interrupting here, but I'm, I'm uh, attentionally a deficit. Uh, <laughs> I'm also at the age where I forget stuff if I don't say them. <laughs> about this guy that's walking down the street and he sees these, these, uh, these workers, you know, laying brick. And he says to the first worker, he says, what are you doing? And, and the guy says, oh, I'm just laying brick. You know, and he says, the second guy, what are you doing? And the second guy says, oh, I'm, I'm building a, a great monument to humanity. I'm, I'm building a cathedral. And the guy walking by said, well, you're in trouble. It's supposed to be a 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> in, in some neighborhoods, that is a great monument to humanity, I suppose. <laughs> I have a point. If you get real existential, there's a lot. 
old joke that uh, that you probably heard before. <laughs> um, well, and you've written a lot about this idea of performance and achievement and um, from a customer experience standpoint, where do you think performance tends to break down? Because there does, there is a gap sometimes between intention and execution when it comes to delivering on that experience. So where do you think that happens? Where, do, where is that breakdown? Well, I think it's about intention, motivation, and education. You know, first you have to be aware. And, and sadly, a lot of people really don't know that what they're doing can make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. It does make a big difference. That's the intention part. But then I also think that there's a motivation part. So much for my phone being on uh, Do Not Disturb. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I had done technology, obviously, very, very confusing for me. Is Uh, that for us? The motivation part is people just don't really want to do a good job. And I think that in part goes back to the simple fact that your employees will never treat customers better than you treat your employees. Uh, if you don't work for an organization where it's basically fun, and I don't mean frivolous, but enjoyable to go to work every day, how do we expect those people to make the time on the phone or face-to-face with a customer enjoyable? But the other part that's one of my favorites is I think most people want to do a good job, but they, they lack the, the, the know-how, the technique. And I don't know who first said it, but my friend uh, Dr. Nito Kubain said, uh, expectation without education equals frustration. Mm. Think about it. If you tell somebody, I love it for years, you know, clients say, well, we tell our employees to build better relationships with our customers. Nobody's teaching it. It doesn't do any good to tell people. We don't, we weren't born knowing how to build good relationships. You know, you got to learn how. And so I think we need to teach relationship building in the workplace because it's, it's not easy to, to do that unless you've had some basic instruction, which is why I believe in education and training. Education is is uh, knowing and, and training is being able to do it. And it's not just building relationships. I mean, it's building relationships in a very defined context with rules, which we definitely is not natural. It's not something you learn no, coming exactly. up, right? I mean, we're all struggling to get by with, you know, marriages and spouses and kids and friends, right? Um, and so it's no surprise when you think about how frustrating and challenging personal relationships are uh, to, to understand why sometimes we don't do a great job in the workplace. It's a really good point. So one of the things that came out in your speech was a little brief preview of your new book. I believe we have a new book coming out and you were mentioned that at the customer service revolution. So I will not step on your parade here or rain on the parade. I guess you don't step on a parade, but (laughs) if you could give us a, (laughs) if you could give us a little preview, tell us what the new book's about. What's the idea behind it? Um, When's it coming out? All that good stuff. We'd love to hear about it. I thought we had a title, meaning my my publisher and I, but uh, it would seem that my original title hasn't passed muster. So the bad okay, news so is re- I, I retract I retract that part of the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming out, uh, look for it by my name. Go to the alphabetical section of the business <laughs> for Sanborn. No, um, it's it's about intentional leadership, and I'm I'm really unpacking. I think three of my biggest ideas, newest ideas, and most important ideas at this point. Uh, But what intentional leadership is, is it's knowing, being crystal clear on what it is you're trying to do every day and taking the right consistent action to do it. And that comes from, believe it or not, 33 years of working with leaders who 
you know, we're dealing with challenges and problems and opportunities. And I've always been asked, you know, what what's the one thing all great leaders have in common? And for years, I would say, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, there's so much diversity in both style and characteristics, but it dawned on me that there is one thing that all great leaders and frankly, all successful people have in common, and that is intention. You don't accidentally end up on top of Mount Everest. If you have <laughs> to do something big, it doesn't happen. Now, there are outliers, you know, one trick ponies, one hit wonders. I'm not talking about that. Those are flukes. We can't depend on flukes to lead. We've got to have a, a process. So that's the intentionality. And then the other part of that is the clarity, because, you know, taking consistent action every day, and, and we all work with people that are busy, you know, but they aren't making gains because they're not clear on what they're trying to do. So what I call intentionality is clarity coupled with intention, knowing what you want to do and taking consistent action every day. The second part of that equation is there's three things that are really important that leaders consistently do every day. And I talk about inspiration, culture, and emotion. Inspiration trumps motivation. Inspiration is motivation of the power of purpose. Very important uh, with the workforce that we lead today. Culture is the engine that drives everything. If you want to think about it, you know, inspiration is the fuel. Culture is the engine. And uh, your culture has been a really big area of opportunity for speakers and writers and consultants because nobody exactly agrees what it is. I say culture is everything we think and believe that results in what we do and achieve. I mean, think about it. It's not just what we think. If we don't believe what management's telling us, what leadership's telling us, it affects the actions we take and the results that we achieve. So culture is the engine and the output, and this is huge in customer service. You know, my friends Pine and Gilmore, I think the world of those two guys, they wrote the experience economy years ago, and they really opened our eyes to the idea that it's not about your commodities, products, or services, but the experience you create for customers. I've taken that a step further. I now think it isn't the experience that we have, but how we feel about it. And that people don't recommend movies they like, they recommend movies they love. So the book is going to talk about how to design for and deliver positive emotion, because that's the new outcome. I want to feel great about my choice of a vendor. I want to feel uh, fabulous about uh, an entertainment event. I want to feel good about my kids' education. And so it's not about being self-absorbed in touchy-feely stuff. It's a very practical way to look at how do we uh, design for an experience that creates the kind of emotions that we want our customers to have, and that is feeling more successful and better that they've chosen us than our competition. So there you have it. it it's a, a, a synopsis. There's a lot more in the book, so I don't think you can get away with just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you sell so many. Yeah. I, I get it now. <laughs> That's now, awesome. Thank you for that preview. We really appreciate it. Yes, for sure. And I can't wait to... Uh, now Now I'm on pins and needles about what the title's actually going to be. <laughs> so you created suspense. Yeah, this was a good hook. I like it. <laughs> Name my book. There you go. <laughs> Well, Mark, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and for all of your wisdom. And as people want to know more and, of course, want to know when the book's out and things like that, how can they find out that information? My website, marksanborn.com, M-A-R-K-S-A-N-B-O-R-N. 
MarkSanborn.com links you to all things in terms of ideas and blogs and videos and product. So uh, I hope uh, your listeners will visit. I'm sure they will. And we'll make sure those are all in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a great one, Mark. Well, Jeannie and Adam, thanks. It's been great talking with you. Thank you, Mark. It's fantastic. Appreciate it. So Jeannie. Yes. You know, Mark dropped all this wisdom on leadership and customer service and customer experience and, you know, being extraordinary. But the thing that's been sitting with me is his comment that no one gets to the top of Mount Everest by accident. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I'm also thinking if you ever do find yourself at the top of Mount Everest (laughs) by accident, you really are in a Things have gone spot. terribly yes, wrong. Things, yeah. <laughs> things have really gone off the rails for you. <laughs> no, I thought that was such a good way to say that because we talk about intention and, you know, uh, the, the small habits that build to greatness. We talk about those things in kind of the abstract so often. And that was such a great way to summarize it. And just, uh, you know, I, I almost want a poster on my wall that says that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll make one. You with show yourself with a little speck at base camp. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Mark at the top saying, come on. <laughs> yes. And I know you're using bottled oxygen, Jenny. I just know it. <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, use any tool at your disposal, right? Any, any legal, legal and ethical tool at your disposal. Well, I'm excited about his next book, even though we don't know what it's called. <laughs> I'm really excited about it, the way he described it. And you can tell he just put so much thought into everything. It was a really, it was a fun discussion. Yeah, absolutely. It was really great. And I, you know, I think when you're looking at the leadership principles Mark shared from a, from the standpoint of customer experience, that you can really draw a line between how you act as a leader and giving teams that intention and giving them that inspiration as opposed to motivation mm-hmm. And what comes out at the end when they're with the customers? Yep. Yep. And for yourself. I mean, I think that's that's true, too, of focusing on the intentionality for yourself to lead um, to that end as well. So all sorts of really good takeaways in this one. So we hope you enjoyed it. And as always... We are so grateful that you were here with us. So thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. As always, if you haven't yet subscribed, this is when we scold you and ask you to subscribe. So please go ahead and do that wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Jeannie, leaders don't scold. (laughs) So I'm setting the intention. (laughs) (laughs) We're inspiring you to rate rate and review this podcast. (laughs) Yes, please, please. (laughs) (laughs) Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content. There's a ton of it there at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. We so appreciate you being here. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me, our trainings, our writings, our webinars, all sorts of good things at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Teport. You can learn more about me, my keynote speaking, my customer service workshops, and our customer service training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.